I want to talk to you today about the need for a vision. Why is it important that we have a vision? You hear it every week, loving God, loving people. Let's talk today about the need for a vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And as you're turning there, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this church. Thank you for allowing me to be the pastor God called me to be. So many churches can't do what the pastor has, God has told them to do. And you allow me as a pastor to do that. You allow me to go over time. We don't even technically have a time limit, but you know what I mean. You, you do it gratefully. Uh, last week, some of you saw my broken heart before the Lord weeping at the altars. You allow me to be vulnerable before you. You, you come and you express your love to us and your tithes and offerings, which provides for this place. We are so thankful, Nancy and I. And I wanted to tell you personally, thank you. It's, it's not just, uh, a slogan on that end of the year giving paper. It is my heart. Thank you. We have poured out everything we have. We know of nothing more to give. Everything we know to give, we give for the sake of the ministry. And I thank you for letting me do that here. Amen. Because you didn't have to come today, and I never want to take that for granted. And for those who ever wonder where I'm at the beginning of worship, I am praying, seeking the Lord. I don't preach with notes. I ask that God would put his word within me like a fire, and that by the time I step out here, it is what God is saying to this congregation. Amen? And so just know that that's how serious I take preaching. Some, No offense to some pastors, but they plan during the week every joke and everything they're going to say. I like to come and let God say what he's going to say. As you heard that 15-minute sermonette about the end times, I really felt somebody needed to hear that today as the, as the clock is ticking down. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, talking about the need for vision. I'm going to read out of a few translations so you can really get the power of this verse. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Here the word is revelation. Everybody say revelation. Thank you. If people, next version, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. See what God is doing. Everybody say that. One, two, three. See what God is doing. Thank you. And then the third King James, I think, says it best as the oldest translation, says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So what we're going to talk today is about revelation, seeing what God is doing, i.e., in other words, vision. The church has to have a vision. We have to be able to see what God is doing. Revelations means something is revealed to us. Like the book of Revelation was revealed to John about what would happen in the end times. And so today it is so important that you not only are a part of a church that has vision, but that you yourself have vision. Because if you don't have vision, the Bible says you will stumble all over yourselves. And think about some of your past relationships with churches. Have you been a part of churches that didn't have either a vision or a biblical vision and by not having one people stumbled over themselves? There became uh, divisions, dissensions, gossips. Maybe it didn't reach the poor or the young people. You know why? Because the Bible says without vision people perish. Without seeing what God is doing people stumble on themselves. And so as we have a vision as our eyes are open revealed and we're seeing what God 
is doing, God will bless us. The Bible says we'll be happy and we'll be most blessed if we keep the vision he gives us as law. And as you'll see at the end of the message, there is no greater law than this, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Can you say vision? Amen. So today we're going to talk about vision, give you the definition of it. Vision is the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. So when we talk about vision in a business, we're talking about the power of anticipating what will happen in that business. Maybe some of you have already handed in your quarterly reports. The fiscal year is over, and now your business is looking towards the new year. They are setting out goals. They're giving you vision. Our country right now is setting out vision in Congress, vision for baseball teams for the summer to come ahead. Some football teams are already setting up their vision for the next year. They're already out. The Bible talks about this being important in the church because we have to anticipate what is coming ahead. Everybody say anticipate. You have to anticipate what is coming ahead and focus on that which is most important. So that is what vision is. Specifically relating to Metro Praise, it is the target Metro Praise is aiming for with everything it does. Now imagine if I was blindfolded, you turned me around a whole bunch of times, and then you put an AK-47 in my hands and said, Joe, hit the target. How many know that would be a bloodbath right now? But if I was facing this way and there was a target in front of me, you might trust me with a handgun or a bow and arrow or some type of a weapon. See, targets set a bullseye, something we can aim at. And when a church doesn't have a bullseye, it can get so distracted. One day it will be about children's choirs. Next day it will be about pastor salaries. The next day it will be about the carpet in the building. And it just keeps aiming and hitting everywhere. And eventually people get hurt. People think the church doesn't meet their needs. The church says that, uh, the people say the church doesn't meet the community needs. The parents say it's not meeting the needs of my children. And so if a church doesn't hit a bullseye in what it does, it won't accomplish what God made the church to do. So for us, our vision is the target that we aim at with everything we do. So when we talk the next few weeks about loving God, loving people, what am I doing? I'm aiming everything I do as a pastor at loving God, loving people. When Adam meets in the youth group, what is he aiming everything at from the skits to the worship to the evangelism to the small groups of the youth group? What is he aiming at? Loving God, loving people. When you go to a small group, you go to our adopt-a-block, you do the after-school program, what are we aiming at? Loving God, loving people. If it's not about loving God and loving people, we don't don't want it. Amen. I'm sure there's a church down the road that cares about what you wear on Sunday. We invite you to that church. Amen. I'm sure there's a church that cares about how loud you can sing that old ancient hymn. Well, you can go down there and do it because that is not a priority, a priority to us here. Our target is the bullseye that we aim at. And if it doesn't fit in, we don't do it. Look at your neighbor and say, get in where you fit in. Amen. So that's what the Bible is saying. Let me read them again because now you've got some understanding. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So look up at me real quick, please. How many of you work a job? Can you raise your hand? Thank God people are working. Amen. What would happen if you went to your job and there was no vision of what you had to do there? Let's say Ishmael, who works as a project manager over, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the business? Pepper Environmental Services, that means before Pepper Construction builds big buildings, he comes in, gets rid of all the asbestos and chemicals. Imagine if he came in there and he said, guys, 
We're just going to do it however we want to do it. They started spraying stuff there, spraying stuff there. How many people know that would get crazy after a while? How many knows if people were supposed to be wearing the hazmat gear because they're dealing with hazardous materials, they don't put on the mask and the gloves, people could seriously die. You see, the Bible says where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Have you ever been in somebody's house when the, when the host wasn't being a host and you kind of felt like you were neglected and you had to go get your own water and you had to go, you know, do your own thing and slap the kid from jumping all over you because they weren't slapping the kid? Hello. Do you ever feel like, oh, I'm telling on myself. Help me, Lord. Amen. I think I got two of those myself going on. But anyways, you, you know, what happens is when we get into a place that, that's actually no vision, kind of anarchy, we don't feel comfortable. Have you ever gone to the bank and know somebody at the teller doesn't know what they're doing? You don't get happy and say to yourself, well, I'm just so happy she's learning today. You go, dear God, I'm casting off restraint. Help me. Listen. You know, we, we get uncomfortable in our society when we don't have order. That's why when we travel to other countries and they don't follow the lines in the road, like in India, it's like six-lane highways and one lane. And it's why, why is it that way? Because there are no lines. There is no rule that says three, four of you guys can't line up on this one sidewalk right here. But what happens when there's no vision? We cast off restraint. But when there's vision for driving, we stay within the lines. When there's a vision for our job, they put on the hazmat gear. They start spraying down the chemicals. They do what they have to do. When you come over to somebody's house, as we're going to have the SUM students over today, we'll say, take off your shoes, sit here, we'll serve you, don't touch that, and let's have fun. Because that's what you do when there's vision. Now, what happens when there's not vision? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now, of course, everybody should have a vision, but let's talk about if the church didn't have a vision, if we didn't have a way of focusing everything we did. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, This is Paul, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Somebody say agree. Thank you, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions. Everybody say divisions. Thank you, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Well, what happens when we don't say the same thing? Well, the vision of Metro Praise is to build the best choir in town. Hold on, we're not saying the same thing anymore, are we? The Bible says that's going to bring division. Because somebody's going to want to come here and sing in the choir, though that's fine, we may have one one day. But if they're not willing to love God and love people, now what does that bring? Division. Die vision. Die vision. Taking apart a vision. Tearing apart a vision. Look at the next scripture, Romans 16, 7. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm watching you. <laughs> I got my eye on you, neighbor. I'm going to see if you're going to cause division. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. So what happens? Division. What is division? The act or process of dividing. The state of being divided. Here's a little artistic rendition of division. You can look at it as a heart that was once together or a face, but now it's divided and the face or the heart is opposite of each other. They're fighting each other. That's what happens if a church does not have vision. Some of you have only known Metro Praise in a vision, but I can tell you from the friends that I have known and the, and the people I've studied in church history, when the pastors and the people are not saying the same thing, divisions come, churches split, and people get hurt. 
We don't want that at Metro Praise. We don't want our children to ask, Mommy, why aren't you going to that church anymore? Well, it's because Deacon so-and-so had a fight with the pastor, and they started a church down the road, and I'm going to go help them out. You see, division never glorifies the Lord. When it comes to the people of God, division only hurts. And when you think about it in mathematical terms, when we hear that word division, it always takes away, it never adds. To do anything else outside of Metro Praise vision, will bring division. So let's say there's four people, but they don't want to say the same thing, loving God, loving people. Let's say they don't want to believe and connect, mentor, sin, and two of them go off and do something else. What happens now? Those four have divided into two and two. We've lost four. We've lost the power of four, and now we only have the power of two. Does everybody see how division takes away? Or 16 divided by four. What if there's 16 of you here today, and then maybe only four of you say, I want to follow the vision of Metro Praise. But the other four of you uh, don't want to follow it, and you bring division. And then what happens is people follow you as you're following divisive people. And then what happens in the church? The church that was once strong, 16, the church that was once four together, now is losing its power. And that's what Jesus told us not to do. He said, you will know that these are my disciples for their love for one another. So our church presents a vision to you. We say, we're going to be here. We're going to love God and love people. And we're going to have a strategy. And you've already learned that. We're going to have a strategy to how we're going to do this. We're going to connect, mentor, and send. We're going to disciple everybody. If somebody in here says, well, you know what? I don't want to love God. I'm going to be Mr. Stinky Pants. I don't want to love God. And no matter how many you make, you're not going to do it. You know what? You can go down to the church down the road. That's just fine, Mr. Stinky Pants, without you loving God. Or maybe somebody says, I'm going to love God, but I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to love my stinky neighbor. My neighbor offends me. My neighbor bothers me. You know, we all get offended with each other. My neighbor cut me off in the parking lot. My neighbor's kids are messy. The person next to me's breast stinks. They didn't put on deodorant. They sing too loud. Well, you know what? If you don't want to love people, I'm sure there's about 20 other churches you can be a part of that are all about not loving people. Amen? And they do it really good. You can be, you can be on their eldership board. You don't love people. Neither do I. Well, welcome to the team, brother. Welcome. We've been looking for people that don't like people. I'm so happy you came. Okay? Or you can be a part of a church that actually wants to do something else, which is multiplication. Now, how do you multiply? You have to be upon the same vision. It's the act or process of multiplying or the state of being multiplied. Look at this in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Acts is the acts of the apostles, acts of the disciples in the first century church. Listen to what they were doing. Acts 6, 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied. And in those days when the numbers of disciples were multiplied. In those days when the numbers of disciples were increasing. Everybody say multiplication. You see, if we get together on the same thing, it's not just addition, it's multiplication. When we have the same vision. Let me just give it to you very simply. Jesus made 12 disciples. One of those disciples fell out and they uh, replaced him with Matthias. So then they went back to 12. When those 12 disciples went out and preached, each one of them could touch 12 people, just like how Jesus touched them. So it went from 12 to 144, just like that, from 12 people doing just what Jesus had done with them. 
Do you see how when we all do the same thing, it's not addition, it's multiplication, and that's actually why we have a times table. Because let's say one of us goes out and uh, plants one flower. Then another one of us goes out and plants a flower. Then another one plants a flower. And lastly, that fourth person plants a flower. If we were going to do this in mathematics, we could do addition, which would be 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 to the 4 times equals 4. 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 4. Or what's the simple way of doing it? 4 times 1 equals 4. Now, what if those four people all went out and planted two flowers? Now it's four times two. Are you getting this? So that means if you win a person for the Lord, you win a person for the Lord, you win a person. If 125 of us all win one person for the Lord, that's 125 times what? Two. If all of us won three, it would be 125 times three, 125 times four. How many want to multiply the church? How many want to have a vision that we can go out and share the world with? Amen. Win the world with? That's what we're here to do. And so what is the need for a vision? The need for a vision is to have a target to aim at, to avoid division, and to be able to multiply souls for the kingdom of God. Would you stand to your feet for the shortest sermon you have ever heard at Metro Praise? Would you bless the Lord for that? Come on. Come on. I worked hard on that, baby. I said, I'm not going to keep them here all day. You guys have heard all that we've done. The words, the Bible says, are, are, excuse me, our actions are now our epistles. Just read what we did on that board or on your paper. You know that God has blessed this church. Why? Because we follow his word. Well, here's the vision, Luke 10, 27. Uh, Band, would you come, please? Luke 10, 25 through 27. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Can you all say vision? Today, before we close out, we want to pray that you'll get in the vision. Because the Bible says that when you seek first his kingdom, all the things you need will be added unto you. Loving God, loving people. God is looking for you today to do something bigger than yourself. We just told you this year we double almost in everything we did and especially in the people we're reaching. Well, guess what? You're not that newbie anymore. You're a part of the 2011 team. It's time for you to join the vision. And the vision is exciting. The vision will transform how you look at your own family. When my wife and I fight the most, it's when I'm not loving God or people the most. It's when I'm doing that the least. You ever notice that? When you're walking around with that attitude and things are just hard, you're hard to get along with, isn't that also when you look back over your devotional time and you're like, oh, man, I haven't hung out with Jesus this week. Oh, man, I haven't. You know, I, you know what I can tell? When ministry gets to be a burden to me, when, when it's hard to do this on Sunday, I know I make it look easy, but, you know, when it gets to be hard is when I don't reach the poor, the street evangelism, and go out and do those things. That's why you always will see me there on the front steps of our church on a Wednesday or during the week, just handing out flyers, talking to people. What's going on? You might say, Pastor, why do you got to do that? I mean, you got SUM students doing 5,000 hours of service. Because you got to understand, if I don't do it, I'm not right. 
I have got to do it. I want to love people. I've got to show up to Ohio Park on Thanksgiving Day and go out there to the west side. Well, Pastor, we got it, Pastor. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to feed the people. We'll go out in the neighborhood. You know, you go be with your family. No, I've got to come out. I've got to be there. My wife and I opening up the house tonight for 19 SUM students. Why? Because I have got to be hospitable. I'm just telling you personally how it affects me. And when I do that, I'm so much nicer to the person at the checkout counter. I'm so much nicer to my own family members that sometimes I don't get along with because I'm learning. i got to love people. I want to challenge you this year, not with something brand new and razzle-dazzle. Okay, set off the pyrotechnics. Here's the vision. No, here it is. It's the same vision Jesus had 2,000 years ago. Love God and love people. If you don't want to do that, you're going to bring division. And this is the sad part. It's not just here. When we goof around, I'm saying you're invited to go somewhere else. You know what you're really doing? You're bringing division to the body of Christ because those aren't my words. That's his words. And I just want to encourage us today as a church. 2011 will have things that we do not know are happening, and we won't even be ready in some ways when it comes. You know, there was once a time when, you know, the Twin Towers, September 11th was a new thing, and we got rocked to the core. But you know what I remember being that night? Guess where I was at a church? And guess what we did? We loved God and started loving people. There's funerals. See, I was a pastor. See, I have a lot of friends. See, this is my congregation. You are my friends. And when you have a funeral, when you have a tough time, you bring me alongside of you. And it's my honor to be there for you. But nobody planned on losing a child last year. Nobody planned on burying a mother last year. No, nobody planned on those things happening. But don't they happen anyway? I'm not trying to be sadistic or scare you. I'm just saying, this year, things are going to happen that are out of your hands and my hands. And the Bible never promised a yellow brick road to heaven. But I'm going to tell you, have some vision. Love him. One testimony before I close out today. When my father lost his father, one of the saddest days of his life, my grandfather. All my grandparents are deceased now. When my father lost his father, I you know, never really saw my dad cry. But in, in my house, there's a den where my parents lived. And I could hear my dad, as a grown man, I could hear him crying. Now, you know, as a son, those of you who have dads, sons, you know what I'm talking I mean, that's hard to hear. Your dad, you know, the strongest man you know, is whimpering. Like a puppy, he's hurt, whimpering. And I remember walking into that room, and I opened up the door, and he was just on his knees before his heavenly father. Just letting God have it all. Just giving all that pain and that hurt to God. And I just came next to him on my knees and I just grabbed a hold of him. And you know what we did? We just loved God together. The, the most, I don't care, the greatest challenge you're going to face, how big, I mean, death is as big as it can come. God will get you through it. If you have the right focus. If you have the right vision. If you stay focused. And then this year, you mark my words because I said it last year and God did it, so you got to start trusting your pastor. This next year, this place ain't going to fit us anymore because there's going to be more Jerry's coming and there's going to be more Chris's coming and there's going to be more Vicente's and Astrid's coming getting married and there's going to be more children and young people coming. And when they come here and they cry these tears, what's going to be happening? 
Their eyes are opening. They're saying, I see it now. I see what life's about now. It's about God. And you're going to be there to meet them. You're going to say, yes, it is, Shikaboomba. <laughs> it's going to get good. This is just the beginning. I've been here a year waiting for you to come. It's going to get good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this congregation today. Thank you for vision. Altar workers, one more time. Come on, you're going to earn your keep today. One more time, come. We're going to close out this service praying for anybody who needs help seeing a purpose in their life. Or if you need to come to Jesus, this altar will be open for you today. You can just come and say, I want my eyes to be open. We're going to close out singing the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. I'll dismiss you as well. You don't have to say thank you for your patience today. But those who just want to stay maybe around these altars or receive prayer, maybe come up with your family and friend that you came with today, God's going to bless you as you just pray to Him and say, Open the eyes of my heart. Lord, I pray that we'll have our eyes open today. That we'll see the vision. That we'll get the revelation of what this whole world is all about. It's about loving you and loving people. I pray, God, that this year we'll see heaven come down to earth. You'll bless our children and our children's children. And Lord, by this time next year, there'll be more here than we've ever seen. Multiplying for your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. If you're blessed, I'm giving a hand clap of praise. God bless you. The cafe is open. If you want prayer, we'll be up here. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Oh.